from the Spring Blooming Univest Studios at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA, it is time for another colorful episode of Chemical Free Horticultural Hijinks. You bet your garden. I'm your host, Mike McGrath. Can we forget about all the doom and gloom for a bit and discuss instead the saviors of springtime? On today's show, we'll reveal how to keep amazing avatars of April like forsythia and daffodils blooming year after year. And of course, we'll take your fabulous phone call questions, comments, tips, tricks, suggestions, and ridiculously rarefied ramifications. So keep your eyes and or ears right here, cats and kittens, because it's all coming up faster than you having a perennial garden of spring right after this. Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Espoma Company, offering a complete selection of natural organic plant foods and potting soils. More information about Espoma and the Espoma Natural Gardening Community can be found at ESPOMA.com. Welcome to another thrilling episode of You Bet Your Garden from the Univest Public Media Center in Bethlehem, PAI. Am your befuddled host, Mike McGrath. Coming up later in the show, your spring bulbs and forsythia and everything are looking beautiful right now. What can you do to make sure they look just as nice next year? But first, a bit of housekeeping. You may recall when Jen from Rhode Island called in to tell us about her five-year-old son, Jackson, growing a scarlet runner bean plant. Well, he is my hero, and one of the issues that I explained to mom, scarlet runner beans are pole beans. They're very tall. So I enlisted my good friend Renee Shepard of Renee's Garden, and she sent this package of tricolor bush beans Gold ones, purple ones, green ones. They are the perfect garden, uh, or the perfect plant for a child to start gardening. And they're bush beans. They grow fabulously in containers. And, you know, when you have for your first outdoor plant string beans of three different colors, whew, you the man or woman or of your choice. <laughs> All right. Have I dawdled enough? Um, you know, um, does this qualify me for federal aid? We'll answer that after we answer a couple of your fabulous phone calls at 888-492-9444. Number to call, 888-492-9444. Carol, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Thank you, Mike. How are you? I am just Ducky. Oh, Ducky! <laughs> Glad is, to hear it. Ducky is so happy for at least a little bit that he can take his mask off. So, um, yeah, you know, it's you know, I think that's been half the litter um, around the cities <laughs> is used masks. You know, so uh, where? How is Carol? I'm fine. I'm calling from Hunterdon County in New Jersey. Okay. Very nice. What can we do you for? I saw an interesting article on in the newsfeed on my phone last week. Uh, Royal Horticultural Society in Great Britain has now uh, decided that 
they're going to have a philosophical change, and no garden wildlife will be termed pests anymore. And they were talking, uh, first of all, about slugs and snails being nature's good recyclers, mm-hmm. and they're, encur- they're encouraging people to uh, appreciate the wildlife in our gardens, no matter what it is which I thought was an interesting turn of events with you presenting organic opinions every week. Right. So, uh, and I, it's, it's interesting because uh, the Royal Horticultural Society usually has a list every year of the pests most complained about by British gardeners. uh So that's not going to be anymore. And now they're encouraging all of us to invite toads and snakes, anybody else that wants to come in to eat things but not for us to go destroying wildlife willy-nilly. And I, I looked up the article, read it through, not only snakes and frogs, but hedgehogs. Oh, I would, yes. lo- I would love <laughs> to have a hedgehog. <laughs> yes. I, w- I was looking up substitutes for us on this side of the pond instead of hedgehogs. Yeah, good luck with that. I think we got nothing but evil <laughs> squirrels. So... Um, I did, uh, as soon as you contacted us, um, I thought I should check this out because you can't, you really shouldn't use secondhand information. You want primary. And boom, there it was. You have reported it accurately. Um, They are changing their hit list to no hit. And, you know, it, first of all, it's remarkable because they have not been known in the past for their organic stance. And as you note, they have even given the imprimatur of garden importance um, to their biggest pest. And then I read some more, and I I went down the rabbit hole. This is all at like 5 o'clock this morning, by the way. Um, And it turns out that uh, either the... They're not in the European Union anymore, are they? Um, but whoever, whoever's in charge is banning uh, the world's worst slug and snail poison. Oh, I should, yes. Yeah, I should have written it down. Do you know what I'm talking about? I do, but I don't have the name in front of me either. Yeah. But, but they're, yeah. Malathiamine or something like that. So anyway, I think these, I'm, I'm not sure which chicken laid the egg first, but obviously they have been building up. And instead of being didactic and say, you're gonna have to learn to do without this highly toxic um, chemical, it's probably the worst thing being used in Great Britain right now. Uh, instead of that, it's, it's genius. They just turn around and say, we have to acknowledge that these creatures were here before us. Um, they all, and this is something I've often tried to stress, everything alive has a purpose. It may not be really obvious to us because we see something we don't know and we pull out a handgun and start firing away at it. And by the way, um, we will link up with the full announcement from the Royal Horticultural Society on our website and on our Facebook page. And it's just, I mean, it's like I've I've sat in like 
a lack of credulity for 35 years, and now all of a sudden I'm a genius. <laughs> but what uh, I was hoping to hear from with the gardeners of Great Britain was a collective sigh of relief. Relax and enjoy it. Right, and you can't buy that nasty stuff anymore anyway. But it's uh, the article of- was very impressive. It talked about other ways to control slugs and snails without harming them. And I thought it was incredibly enlightened when they mentioned all the positive benefits that come from something um, that we consider pests. Now, there is one caveat. Um, This is just um, native, uh, what are we calling them, Uh, animals? uh. Uh, Gastropods? Whoa! Oh, oh, any of any of yes, any of the uh, any of the animals and any of the plants that they are declassifying are native. And right. Exactly. Still, uh, yeah, still controlling invasives, both animal and plant. Yes, exactly. Um, invasives are in another category, but if it's been there since before you. You know, learn to live with it. Learn to live with its benefits. Uh, The section on ants, I thought, was brilliant. I'm trying over the years to tell people that ants are good for the soil. Um, But if there's any better authority in the gardening universe, it's the Royal Hort Society. And I think for people on on this side of the pond, uh, good information can be gotten from the Xerces Society in Portland, Oregon. Right. I'm very familiar. Who promotes invertebrates. Yeah. Yeah. The Xerces Society, X-E-R-C-E-S, has been at this work longer than I have, and they are an excellent, excellent resource. Uh, But I wanted to finish up by thanking you. You know, everybody assumes that I've got 18 researchers and get every story that comes out. And generally, it's only one or two. So if you see anything that's out there that you think would make a good topic or that would interest me and my millions, millions of followers, um, please don't assume that we've already heard about it. Send it to us. We've gotten some of our biggest stories that way. Oh, thank you. I I certainly will. All right, Carol. Thank you again. Okay. Um, You know, really thrilled you sent that to us. We'll be following up on this in future shows. Thank you, Mike, and thank you for your show. We all appreciate it. Thank you, Carol. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye.
Well, it's time for me to take a little break and finally report that I have a brand new outdoor appearance scheduled. Yes, live top-notch gardening info and lowbrow silliness. It'll be held at Green Alleys at the Outhouse Arboretum in Pottstown on Friday evening on June 3rd with a rain date of Saturday the 4th. But don't go looking for all the details at the events section of our website just yet because we'll be back with Spring Bloom Care and more of your springy phone calls. I'm Mike McGrath, and you're listening to You Bet Your Garden from the Univest Studios of Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Espoma Company, offering a complete selection of natural organic plant foods and potting soils. More information about Espoma and the Espoma Natural Gardening Community can be found at ESPOMA.com. Welcome back to another episode of You Bet Your Garden. Broadcasting from the Univest Public Media Center in Bethlehem, PA, I am your host, Mike McGrath. Coming up later in the show, this isn't the time when most people ruin their spring bulbs and flowering trees. No, that comes in a couple of weeks. But you're not going to fall prey to it this time, are you? Because we're going to learn you how to avoid ruining next year's free show. In the meantime, more of your free show phone calls at 888-492-9444. LV, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for being had, LV. Now, uh, we were talking, we were talking just a second ago about, I, I wasn't sure exactly how to pronounce your name from what I see on the screen. And it's spelled the same as Elvira, the famous um, horror show host. Um, but you can you can use that and say, how, how do you pronounce it non-Elvira? Well, I pronounce it the way it was when I was named Elvira. Elvira. I had an Italian grandmother. Okay. Italians pronounce it Elvira. Elvira. And friends call me Elvi. Uh-huh. Elvira is not someone I'm, I'm usually using. <laughs> you can call me whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, uh, you got a great gig at Halloween. Anyway, wh- yes. where are you, Elvie? I live in northeast Philadelphia in Parkwood. Okay. Um, close to uh, the edge of northeast Philadelphia. Okay. And uh, what can we do you for? Well, um, I'm interested in the health and well-being of the trees um, in my backyard and mm-hmm. the trees that have self-seeded up front, if that's possible. I believe that I have a walnut tree that at one point must have been very tiny, maybe 10 years ago, and now it's going 
almost to the roof. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it does drop what looks like walnuts. Um, yes, and squirrels but, help it. Yeah, but they're black. Well. They're black walnuts. Uh, those are not okay. the kind that we buy in the supermarket. Um, walnuts, the the kind of real eating walnuts, uh, can't survive in our climate. So, but oh. there is a folk tradition of using uh, black walnuts, and but you have to research it. You have to be careful. Um, the dye. Matter of fact, Amish farmers will pay x amount of dollars for a bucket and all they're going to do mm. is extract the black dye from it it's it'll never okay. it'll never come off your hands if you don't know in advance what you're doing but yes i seem to recall a long story a long time ago that people used to use it to dye light color material into more of a brown or dark garments <laughs> exactly right. i actually don't want to do that but um i'm concerned that the tree has gotten quite large mm-hmm. and i live in a row home so there is only so much space up front for it mm-hmm. um it already is an issue on my block I, i'm going to quickly tell you that i bought this house over 30 years ago because the neighborhood and my block in itself was full of trees, mm-hmm. all kinds of trees. Um, and I think the trees have uh, lifted driveways and sidewalks and dropped a lot of leaves. And on occasion, there was a storm or two. There is maybe four trees left. So I miss them all and I treasure what I have. I would like to have that tree trimmed and maintain as healthy as possible. But my first love is the crabapple tree in my backyard, right? Which is huge, mm-hmm. um, and looking very tired. Um, <laughs> hey, I'm looking to... pretty tired, you know, at this time no, of we, year. We, we, Are you going to cut do. me uh, apart? No, no, I don't want to do that. That's why I'm calling you. At least it'd be great weight loss. I know, I know how good you are about. So many different things that are growing, and I admire that. Mm-hmm. Anyone that I have called to have it evaluated, right. trimmed perhaps, and I believe that it does have a fungus, uh, treat it. Um, they're all interested in cutting it, cutting mm-hmm. it, cutting it, cutting it, and I, I really would like to keep it for as long as I can. Okay. I, I truly love it. Okay. Now, it who do you... bloom and look like cotton candy soon, and then there are oh. the crab apples that the squirrels and birds enjoy in the fall. But it is, when I say tired, it, it looks beat. It really is. <laughs> so do I. <laughs> okay, but we're not going to cut you, nor we're going to cut the tree. I just need some advice mm-hmm. about, in fact, professionals who manage trees. Uh, And the first option is not to cut them. Right. And who have you contacted? Well, local advertised tree surgeons and tree service and landscaping services. And like I said, um, well, listen, uh, you know, it's big and it probably has fungus and they're prone to problems. So we can always come over and cut it. (laughs) And I. uh, (laughs) Okay. So here's the story. If you want really professional tree care and an honest evaluation. Uh, There are two somewhat national companies uh, that are based in the greater Philadelphia area. 
One of them okay. is one of them is the Bartlett Tree Company. They're very okay. dependable. They're very reliable, and they're cutting edge in uh, their equipment and techniques. Um, the other one has a weird name. It's Davy D A V Y, the care of trees. Now I must okay. I must have talked to them a dozen times, and I still don't understand it. But um, that's it. If you call either of those, uh, they should be Davey, able D A V Y, okay, that care of trees, the care of trees, and the Bartlett right. Tree Care Company. Okay, this is lovely. Yeah, that would really help. I really, like I said, if I have to cut them, I understand, but I want someone who knows what they're talking about. Right. And I really don't want to do that. You know, quite honestly. Go ahead. Uh, quite honestly, I would lose the black walnut and, and try to bring the uh, uh, crab apple back to health. You think the black walnut is not worth keeping? Well, it's, it's killing plants in its surroundings. It's it's not a very pretty tree, um, and when okay. when those nuts drop, it increases yeah. your squ- evil squirrel population. Um, I I don't think of squirrels as being evil. I think some people are. Squirrels are squirrels quite are nice, evil. I think squirrels are evil. Oh, <laughs> well, all right. Oh, oh. I'm not I'm not going to agree with you only because I have to tell you that about seven years ago I found a tiny little squirrel under a tree, the crabapple mm-hmm. tree, rolled up in a little ball, and her name is Sushi. Sushi has been coming <laughs> to my house. <laughs> so you're raising for her for me. <laughs> I did. I We fed her with a tiny bottle like mm-hmm. a baby. She lived in a shoebox for about a month. Mm-hmm. And then since then, she's been living in a big basket on my deck. <laughs> she, uh, she comes every day for at least 10 peanuts uh-huh. and sunflower seeds. Mm-hmm. And she does compete with the birds in my backyard for the sunflower seeds. She's cute. She's like my grandchild, I guess. <laughs> so it's hard for me. It's not an evil animal. I, I've met worse people than squirrels. Well, that's they, not what they I'm are, saying. They're, they're, a, you know. they're a pain in the neck. Yeah. I do agree. They dig things up, and yeah. that I understand. But that, that again, uh, you know, I would lose the black walnut tree. It's right out okay. in front of your house. Um you don't. It's not a pretty tree. It doesn't flower like the uh, crab apple will. Now we're almost out of time. Did you say you ha- had once one other thing to ask? Uh, I have a hysterical wisteria in uh, climbing my deck and climbing the side of the house. Okay. All right. I'll tell do you I just what. Cut, do I just cut it down? Um, I'll tell you. It, the answer is more complicated than that. If you don't mind, we're going to move on, um, but Teresa will book you for uh, an upcoming show. Lovely. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your advice. My pleasure. Good luck. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Dan, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Thank you, Mike. Well, thank you, Dan. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. And where is Dan doing fine? Uh, I'm on the peripheral of the Lehigh Valley, uh, not too far from, uh, you would recognize Emmaus. Oh, sure. town like that. 
Sure, just go over Fifth Street, uh, over the mountain. Yeah, you can do that, too. I'm in the hill country. Yeah. All right, Dan, what can we do you for? Well, you just mentioned Forsythia, and I have to admit that my Forsythia is looking great in terms of all the yellow flowers. Mm-hmm. But I have a 120-foot-long hedge, which is overgrowing my driveway to the extent that I have to drive off the driveway. And I really need to move it back. And and this is probably sounding sacrilegious, but I almost need just to cut it back at the, the base and move. I mean, this hedge is several feet wide. I want to know the best way to do it. And if possible, when I cut some of the larger branches, I'd like to reroute them and plant them elsewhere. And I'm not sure how to do that. Okay. So it has gotten too big in the sideways position. Correct. It's just okay. overhanging the driveway and you can't go around it. Okay. Um, and you realize, of course, that it's in full bloom right now. Yes. I. The, the other part of the question would be, when would be the best time to do that? Wait till next fall? Or, no, no, you know, no. You never, never prune anything in the fall, um, okay. even though you desperately want to. Uh, what you want to do is wait till all the flowers are gone, okay? And then you've got a blank slate. Um, I would suggest you get some carpenter's tools and make a line down the driveway and follow that line for pruning above ground. Not, don't go low. Uh, but follow that and take off um, as much of the forsythia as in as is incurring on your car. Um, forsythia spreads by uh, tip rooting. So if you want to keep it under control in the future, you have to look, you know, all these little things that come up out of the ground, these branches, and then turn around. If... It, if you don't take right. if you don't take them out, and you can take them out whenever you see them, it's just going to grow back the way you want. But if you keep um, and not hacking it back, I don't I don't want to hear any um, chainsaws. Um, you say it's a long thing, so I could see hedge clippers being involved. But uh, take it back to the edge of the driveway as as you perceive it or as close to the edge of the driveway as it can help your cars. And then is there a problem with it on the other side, or is it just one? No, it's just the side overhanging the, the driveway. And unfortunately, I think some of those tip-rooted things, you know, 10 years ago are now rather large, thick mm-hmm. um, trunks. So I'm, I'm going to have to, unfortunately, and I hate to admit this, do some damage to my lovely head. It will grow back. But um, I, I may be, uh, you know, having, no, it might have to be a multi-step process. And all well, but yeah, but Dan, if you haven't earth. pruned it in 10 years, you got 10 years worth to catch up on. I, I agree. Uh, I just retired, so I got 20 years of deferred maintenance. Okay, I hear that. So <laughs> I would start with what I said. Um, now, right. if one of these shoots one of these advantageous roots is coming up out of the ground and it's definitely going to lean in the direction that you're trying to clean up, just prune it off at the very base of the plant. Um, Just the act of pruning 
will improve the look of the forsythia. It'll fill in even more. And then you know the old story. It, it, it's an every year job. Every year after the flowers fade, <laughs> you get out there and you prune, and you'll have a fabulous-looking hedge with no damage to anything. Right. I, I the, the one question would be, as I, I cut whatever I'm cutting, how easy is it to reroute some of that stuff? You know, if I put it in a in a bucket with you know, some magical solution that you can come up with, which I don't well, know about. Well, first of all, you can't root plants in buckets of water and have them take in the soil. Um, you can okay. hydrate them a little bit, but after that, they need to be growing in soil. And no offense, man, the last thing anybody needs is more forsythia in the world. If you took one of your cuttings and you drove over it with a dirt bike and then got out and beat it with a claw hammer, threw it underneath a Mack truck and threw it down somewhere where it could smell grass. That's it, baby. That's all you need. So this, <laughs> yeah, this is, this is not one for overplanting. I'll keep that in mind. I have, fortunately, this is a remnant of my grandfather's farm. So I have, uh, you know, 50 acres to plant for Scythia elsewhere on. Okay. Well, they are great um, attractors of beneficial insects, including the spring tiphthia wasp, which actually hunts Japanese beetle grubs as they're emerging from the soil. Yeah, maybe I'll plant it around my garden. Yeah. Well, just just remember, it's going to keep trying to come in. Oh yes, I have. <laughs> I have more than one persistia that has taken over the world. Yeah. All right, man. Good luck to you. Well, thank you very much for your information. I love your show. Thank you, sir. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Well, it's time to report that I will return to do a live appearance at one of my favorite events, the fabulous Burlington County Earth Fair at Smithville Park on Sunday, June 26th. It's a great all-day family event with food trucks, live music, raptors, robots, and me. But don't go looking for all the details at the events section of our website just yet because we'll be right back with Spring Bloom Care and more of your springy phone calls. I'm Mike McGrath, and you're listening to You Bet Your Garden from the Univest Studios of Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA.
This is 91.3 FM, WLVR Bethlehem, WLVR.org. Welcome back to another thrilling episode of You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Univest Public Media Center in Bethlehem, PA. I am your host, Mike McGrath. And we're in the stretch now, cats and kittens. In just a little bit, we will get to the question of the week. How to keep those beautiful forsythia and spring bulbs in your yard alive year after year after year. It's easy enough to do, but it's also easy enough to screw up. So you won't want to miss it. And it'll come up right after a couple more of your fabulous phone calls at 888-492-9444. Jean-Paul, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Hey, thanks for having me on. Well, thanks for being had, John. How are you? I'm pretty good. And where are you? I'm in North Wilmington, Delaware. Okay. And North Wilmington, so that's like the closest to Philly. Yeah, it's pretty close to Philly. It's just a burbs between Philly and Wilmington. Okay. Okay. I, I yes, I love I love uh I'm not going to say it because then I won't be able to get a reservation there anymore. So never mind. Um, what can we do you for? Well, uh, I recently um, upgraded my yard quite a bit uh, via a move, and I went from a small little postage stamp, and I'm the lucky property manager, owner of about an acre of wooded forest that's all cleared. Mm. And um, my daughter and I, we counted the trees in our backyard and came up with about 117, Mm. which is super awesome, mm-hmm. but I'm thinking about 50 of those are sweet gum trees, and they drop so many gumballs. It's overwhelming, and uh, I was only, wondering uh, when, what I should do about all these. When I was growing up at Bridge and Tarsdale in Philadelphia, um, we called them itchy balls for no good reason, and of course, they were the ultimate projectile. You didn't have to go buy stuff. You just took a basket out, and there was this enormous tree near Marguerite's house. Oh, must have dropped thousands of them. So um, what's the matter? You don't like walking on them? It's like acupressure, right? You're you're relieving (laughs) all those nasty symptoms in your feet. Surprise acupuncture. Yeah. You know, there's got to be the people who make things like super squirters, or paintball guns, they have to have an itchy ball thrower. You know, you load up a hundred of those and boom, 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 boom. Maybe I've been watching. Maybe <laughs> I've, I've got a nine-year-old son, and, and I'm kind of wondering if this is a good idea or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll put his eye out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I've been watching too much TV news. So um, what have you been doing with them so far? Uh, so far, I'm just blowing them um, off of the like the lawn area and mm-hmm. just back into the wooded area, which has uh, all the leaves from last fall. Okay. And everything's getting kind of mixed together. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, because if, if it was not going to be subject to degradation, your property would probably be 500 feet deep in itchy balls. So, oh, for sure, yeah, yeah, and you are returning 
some of the most valuable part of the plant to the soil. You're turning um, the seeds and the husk and everything back in. But boy, just as I said that, there's got to be um, something out there, some machine that crushes them up or, again, shoots them at your enemy from a high wall, <laughs> um, something like that. But um, what I have recommended for people who have too many of these things is to get a, a garden vacuum. This is not like... Um, you know, a leaf blower or leaf sucker or anything like that. It, it kind of is, but instead of um, a cone on the end, it has a long snake like they use in drainage. For and, sure, yeah. yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah, and it's got, a, it's got a cute little handle, so you can push it back into your shrubbery um, and then dump it out someplace. But I, well, I, I think that's the thing. I thought I would have a whole mountain of things of these things if I got one of those. Well, you know, why don't we, meaning you, do that and check it in a year or two? Um, it is nature's duty to decompose wood into soil once again. And if you made just a pile of itchy balls you could keep it well watered over the summer and accelerate it, it would make great compost. Or you could put up one of those roadside signs, world's largest itchy ball pile. Come <laughs> see it. Refreshments for the kids. Oh, that sounds fantastic. Yeah, free itchy balls to take home. And then you show well, sure, one that itchy ball great. that appears to be the size of an asteroid, you know. <laughs> so that's all well, I got. That sounds great. I think we could oh, probably oh, uh, no, actually, um, another trick that was taught to me is spreading them around uh, slug-prone plants, either in the top of pots or down at the bottom of the pots or in the garden bed. Uh, make a ring of them around your garden bed. Um, slugs obviously can't cross over them because they'll get pierced. Well, all right. All right. Sounds like something we could do leading into gardening season. Yeah, fun. And uh, don't forget to have an itchy ball fight with your eight-year-old. And mom, mom, he's going to wear glasses. He's going to wear protective oh, glasses. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And then you well, need. Well, thank an, you, sir. Yeah, you need an ump to count the hits. All right. You take care, man. Take care. Thank you. Bye, bye.
Well, we hope you've been waiting with bated breath, whatever that means, for the question of the week, which we're calling for Scythia and beautiful bulbs, how to make sure that your spring springs again. We begin with Mary in Telford, PA, who writes, we moved into an old house in August. There is a mature forsythia bush that we were anxious to see bloom this spring, but it's only flowering on the top and the edges. The whole middle is bare. Should we prune? How much and when? Note, I hate to see forsythia bushes pruned into geometric shapes. Should I just feed it something? No, Mary, that is not the answer. I have two huge forsythia in the very front of my front yard, and they are blooming so brightly that they're overshadowing the spring bulbs behind them, despite the fact that they also bloomed out of confusion last November. They have never been fed, unless you count the road salt they're exposed to most winters. I have no idea how old they are. They were big when we moved in 35 years ago, and they have never failed to put on a remarkable show. Actually, there were three out there originally, but they formed a wall that was cutting off all the airflow to my roses. So my friends and I spent a month, no exaggeration, digging the middle one up. If it had taken much longer, we were considering dynamite. Dynamite is an organic input, right. Okay, it took three of us to haul the root ball out and roll the monster into a nearby wooded area where it continues to bloom every year on its side. Now, I just went out to take a closer look at my plants, and yes, the biggest concentration of those amazing yellow flowers does seem to be on the new growth, but I don't see any kind of real bare spots, so I suspect that yours is the victim of improper pruning. And I agree with you. People who try to prune forsythia into a boxwood head shape should be imprisoned. It is one of the ugliest, saddest, and most misguided sites in all of horticulture. Anyway, forsythia obviously is a spring bloomer. And as with other spring bloomers, like azaleas, rhododendrons, flowering cherries, lilacs, and the like, the time to prune them is right after the flowers fade. Because shortly after that, they'll begin to set the buds that will produce next year's show. I typically use hand pruners to cut back the tallest stems after they're finished blooming and the sideways ones that make it difficult for our mail carrier to get close to the mailbox. Then I'll step back and look for what I suspect Mary is describing, some old thick wood in the center of the plant. I'll remove some of that with a bow saw. And that's it. Over the course of the summer, new shoots are gonna spring up all over the plants. It is these unruly shoots that tempt people to tidy things up in the fall, which is a mistake for two reasons. One, you're cutting off the parts that would have produced the most vibrant show in the spring. And two, forsythia is not supposed to be tidy. It is a wild child riot of golden shoots that explode in all directions. It can't be trained any more than you can train a house cat. We move on to Michael in Parts Unknown, who writes, can I divide all varieties of spring bulbs? Is after the blooms have faded the best time? No, you don't wanna do anything with spring bulbs until the leaves have lost all of their green color. That's why we chose this question for this show today, 
many people rush to cut off those leaves, which starves the plant of the energy it needs to grow another flower deep inside the bulb. The result the following spring is all leaves and no flowers. And tying the leaves up is almost as bad. Plus, having bulbs in bondage may reveal more about you to your neighbors than you might have intended. Anyway, after the leaves have lost their green, you can safely dig them up. But the word dividing doesn't exactly apply here. That term is typically used for herbaceous perennials like hostas. When their distinctive leaves emerge in the spring, you can dig them up and divide them into multiple plants. A classic method is to use two garden forks to pull the plants into sections. Some people will split their plants apart with a sharp shovel, or more excitingly, a machete. Yeah. Once, when I had to divide a really huge hosta, I dug it up and used a chainsaw to cut the monster into quarters. Cowboy gardening at its finest. And because hostas cannot be killed, all of those sections flourished when we replanted them. Spring bulbs are another story. Were you to chop a big tulip or daffodil bulb in half, you'd get two dead half bulbs. But bulbs that have been in the ground for years will often have babies, little bulblets that grow next to the parent bulb. Carefully dig these bulbs up and carefully and gently snap these babies off. Carefully. Then you can either return the mother bulb to the ground or store it indoors in a cool, dark spot and then replant it after Halloween. Plant the baby bulbs in a nursery bed, and they will grow bigger over time and eventually flower. But only if you let their greenery turn brown naturally. You got it? Well, that sure was some timely information on taking care of your spring bloomers now, wasn't it? Luckily for you, the question of the week appears in print at the Gardens Alive website. To read it over at your leisure or your leisure, just click the link for the question of the week at our website, which is still and will forever be youbetyourgarden.org. Gardens Alive supports the You Bet Your Garden question of the week, and you will always find the latest question of the week at the Gardens Alive website. Yikes, my producer is threatening to burst my blossoms if I don't get out of this studio. We must be out of time. And you really can call us anytime at 888-492-9444 or send us your email. You're tired, you're poor, you're wretched refuse teeming towards our garden shore at ybyg at wlvt.org. You'll find all of this contact information, the answers to all your garden questions, audio of this show, video of this show, and our podcast. It's all at that website, youbetyourgarden.org. You Bet Your Garden is a half-hour public television show, an hour-long public radio show, and podcast, all produced and delivered to you weekly from the Univest Studios at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. Our radio show is distributed by PRX, the public radio exchange. You Bet Your Garden was created by Mike McGrath. Mike McGrath was created when an experiment 
using gamma rays on garlic went south, and he had to ask Aquaman for help digging him out. Really. Our musical director is Ken Queter. Our chief content officer is Joni Greenbaum. Our angel of the airways is Christine Dempsey. Cheerful Charlie Sarah is our audio recording engineer. Our social media director is Amanda Norfleet. Check out her fine work and ponder lots of your beautiful pictures at the You Bet Your Garden Facebook page. Our peerless princess of profound production is Teresa Radke. Our audio editor is the lovely Jonas Bowen. Our video editor is judicious Jake Boyer. Our harassed and harried director is Javier Diaz. The usual gang of idiots includes Zach the Tacklisneski. The inevitable Jacob Morris is the guy in charge of standing around. And the lookout for the guy shooting craps in the back room. Special thanks to our fearless leader, Tim Fallon, who either gave the okay for me to come in today or probably has no idea that I'm here. I'm your host, Mike McGrath. I could be a hologram for all I know, but if I am, couldn't they have done a better job on my hair? I guess science had only advanced so far. Anyway, I'll wash my hands, wear gloves, plant more peas, and see you again next week.